Unkonstraten. Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture. All while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host, Jackie, an American Filipino mom living in Denmark, and my kids think I'm cool, but... I have to tell my daughter that our printer has run out of ink all the time. My daughter has been printing like crazy, and sometimes I come to the computer and right next to the printer, and there's just a bunch of website papers printed out because she doesn't know how to pick a page. She just prints all of them out, and also in full color. So lately, I've been telling her that the printer is broken or we don't have any ink because it's just crazy. And also in Denmark, Printer ink is so expensive that it just, yeah, it's just easier to tell her that I ran out of ink. So we're definitely still working on this because she doesn't believe me. But if you guys have a but and uh, want to tell me, you can let me know on email or messenger. And also I have all the social media platforms. So don't be shy. Let's connect and let me know what you tell your kids sometimes when these things come up. Anyways, in today's episode, we will be talking about Happy Abroad. What is the meaning of it and why it was created? And and sometimes, you know, before we move abroad, we don't realize, you know, how hard it is mentally for a person, yet, you know, a whole family to move abroad into a different country. We face all the same factors of integrate uh, integrating or making new new friends, adjusting to a new way of life, and you know, Everyone's experience, especially international families, or you're not even an international family, also internationals that move abroad, that the first three months is like the honeymoon period until you lose your shit at one moment that you can, you do simply at home, you kind of lose it because something you do at home very easily and then you do it here, for example, in Denmark, then it just, you just, yeah, can't handle it. <laughs> so I don't know if, if you guys have done it. Uh, I definitely have. Uh, for me, is a uh, grocery shopping. So yes, let's get into today's episode. And I have Francesca with me, and she will be talking about why she created Happy Abroad. Thank you, Francesca, for being here and talking about yourself living in Denmark, and also why you created this workshop and this website called Happy Abroad or BeHappyAbroad.com. Yeah, thank you, Jackie, for having me. So, yes, my name is Franziska and I, I'm originally from Austria, from a small town called Innsbruck. And um, from there, I moved to Vienna to study, which I would say is my, was my first culture shock. So culture shocks can also happen within one country. It doesn't even have to be abroad. Um, yeah, and while studying, I met my Danish husband and then, well, the rest um, just unfolded as it so often does. Yeah, so that's that's how you ended up in Denmark is love. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yes. like 80% of people that move to Denmark is because of love or, yeah, is we end up here. <laughs> so that's like the big question. Yeah, how did you them. end that's up? That's true. Yeah. I so, mean, I also, I, I also see a lot of students coming here and some people also on their own just by themselves to, to work. But often they, they bring a family also and, and yeah. 
which makes things much more complicated. Yeah, it does, definitely. And then all of a sudden then you have kids and then you're just not mm. stuck here. But for me, I prefer to raise my kids here. <laughs> but yeah. getting into culture shocks, and you already kind of explained why you moved to Denmark. Um, can you tell the audience, it's always fun to hear about people's culture shock. What is your culture shock when you moved to Denmark? I think one of the biggest re like really shocks I had <laughs> was even before I moved to Denmark it was my my now husband and I we had been together for like one and a half months and he sent me a photo of himself and his sister in front of their Christmas tree and this Christmas tree was decorated with loads and loads of Danish flags and like Which kind of family is that? Because in Austria and also Germany, because of history, being proud of your nationality is something that's a little bit frowned upon. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, terrible things have happened for being proud of being German. Um, and, and that's why, why I think this like this very national identity, I don't have that that much. I don't, it's it's not that usual in, in Austria. And that I think was one of the biggest things in Denmark for me to adjust to how proud they are of being Danish, how proud they are of their traditions, how scripted some traditions also are. Like this is how you celebrate Christmas and this is how you celebrate Easter and this is how you do family reunions and gatherings. That's something I I really noticed when, when moving to Denmark where in my family and, and also friends in Austria, it's much more loose. It's not that like every Austrian does it that way. And in Denmark often I feel it is. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from because you experience it with the Christmas tree. I experience it with like birthday cakes. I was like, okay, it's Ooh, like yeah. da Danish It's flags everywhere. Yeah, or any anniversaries or anything. You know, there's they're having a party when they have Danish flags in front of their their house. So I totally understand yeah. where you're coming from. For Christmas, it was the uh, actual lit candles that was like. Such a, like a fire hazard to me when I saw that on yeah. the Christmas trees. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we do that. We, that one we have in Austria too. So I was used to used to that one. For me, it's more like that you also can use the electric candles. It's like, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, But, uh, that's yeah. what I heard. That's it's how... That's the yeah. coziness of uh, Christmas. And for me, I'm like, I just see someone's hair going off. <laughs> <laughs> getting burnt up or yeah. something like that or it's, uh, so it's getting knocked down <laughs> yeah so i also i would like to tell the listeners that you're also nine or uh, almost nine months pregnant and also yes. <laughs> doing this episode so i want to say thank you for you know taking the time to do this episode before i know we were supposed to do it on a later date but i was like oh, i just want to make sure we should do as early as possible so i'm happy that you have yeah. the time to you yeah, know speak definitely. to me and share your experience to the listeners or uh, to yeah to all the listeners that are listening to this podcast and your experience in living in denmark and why you created um happy abroad 
Yeah, yeah. I love to be here, and like I still feel okay. But it's ten days away now. The due date. So the other the other time we had scheduled was four days away. So it's a bit more risky. So yeah, yeah it's good to be rescheduled, and um, yeah. So I'm I'm excited to go through becoming a mother once more. I have an eight year old already, and he was born in the Netherlands. So being pregnant and giving birth and then having a newborn in Denmark will be a new experience again for me. Yeah. To to see how how things work here and yeah. Well, I'm you actually <coughs> leaded to my next question. Uh, you lived in Netherlands before coming to Denmark. How yes. would you compare like Denmark in regards to raising a family? Because you're already raising your eight-year-old or whenever you moved here mm. in Denmark, how would you compare the culture difference from Denmark and um, Netherlands or even from your home country? Yeah, well, I never raised a child in, in Austria, so I can't speak that much to that. But, but I mean, I of course, I see, I see my friends doing it, so I know some things. But... Um, I would say the Netherlands and Denmark are similar in many ways because also also the country culture as such, the, the, the climate is different. So, for example, rain is no reason not to go out and and bad weather and cold weather is no reason not to go out because if you make it a reason not to go out, you never go out. While in other countries, it's like, oh, it's raining. No, let's wait a bit until we go out. And in Denmark and in the Netherlands, it's just like, okay, get the right clothes on and let's get going. <laughs> and um, yeah, I also realized when I had my my first child that I was much more relaxed with, for example, which clothes I put on him, like how warm he should be clothed. I was always like, okay, he doesn't want to wear the hat is it okay? Yes, it's okay. And if he doesn't get sick, I'm like, okay, it seems to be warm enough with him without, for him without the hat. And in Austria, I noticed that people are putting much more clothes on their children. And, and um, yeah, and I, I think one other thing on a deeper level of parenting that I really appreciate both about the Netherlands and Denmark is the way you speak to children, the way you respect children as their own little person like you 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 really have a dialogue with them from a very early stage and gives them also a lot of freedom and autonomy and that's for example one thing that i really noticed in uh, when my son started at international school at the age of five um, because there is a big like jump from going to daycare to starting in a school where more um, yeah, responsibility is given to them. And while a daycare is still quite fenced in and it's made sure that the children can't get out, at that school, basically they could anytime walk out of the school area because there is no, there is no barrier. Um, so they spent, in the beginning when he started school, they spent some time training them and teaching them that this is the limit they cannot cross there and then but then they trust that the children actually stick to it and i noticed that for a lot of the international parents in the international school that's a huge like 
wow, how can they do this? Because in their country, it would never be like that. There would always, if there are five, six-year-old children, there would always be kind of a guard or a barrier or something to prevent children to, to leave. And I think that's something that really characterizes both Denmark and the Netherlands, I would say, that, yeah, like, it, it's based on trust and responsibility is given and trained from quite early on. And I really appreciate that. I like that approach. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from because also in the U.S. it's locked down. Like you can't, there's, it's all fenced in. And I feel like for as a child, it gives them more motivations. Like how far can I go? Versus here in Denmark, yeah. it's like, you can't really go far. They already told you it's not there. And there's no like, oh, maybe I'll try it to see. It's already there. It's like an invisible gate that they mentally yeah. know. And they're so relaxed with it. And I think it's so amazing. Yeah. That's how it's raised. Um, kids are raised here is trust to trust mm. them to be able to make their own judgment. Um yeah from very young age and i've noticed yeah. also my my daughter is in bernahound and they just go into the city they take the bus together and it's mm. like wow this would never ever happen in the u.s a public bus no yeah. way that's a lawsuit no. waiting to happen from a parent <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I also think that's so cute. Sometimes you see these small groups of maybe three or four year olds yeah. all in their yellow jackets because they do make sure that the children are safe. Like they do, they do put on some safety jackets on them so that they are visible in traffic and that it's easier to keep track of them. But then sometimes you see these groups of three, four year olds walking somewhere with with three or four adults watching them. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it is really cute. And I was like, oh, that's really good. That, but they also trust them because imagine, yeah. you know, 10 kids and there's two adults and they're all just lined up, lined up. No one's going out of their place. Yeah. Everyone's just in one line walking, holding hands. I think it's yeah. so cute. <laughs> was it yeah. hard for you to transition uh, moving into Denmark or since it was so near the culture of Netherlands or even Austria, it was, wasn't that hard for you to transition yeah. even with your kids or your son. I think I've had some periods where it was hard and then I overcame them. And I remember one key moment in 2006. So it was quite early. It was before I moved abroad permanently. And I had lived in different countries before that, not related to my husband, but I, I had lived in one semester in Texas and one in Italy and then in Copenhagen. And I had this moment where all of a sudden felt like, where, where is actually home? Where do I actually belong? And it was like this, yeah, I, I don't know. It was very, it was this diffuse feeling of not knowing where I belong. And I somehow came over it, but I didn't really dive deep enough on that feeling back then because I didn't know what to do with it. Um, I was 24 at that time and I was just like going with the flow. So I think that's something that really characterized a lot of my abroad experience, going with the flow. And it worked well until things really got harder or until other things also happened in my life. And that was while we were living in the Netherlands, when um, we were just newly wet, wet and I wanted to find a job in the Netherlands. 
and I got a lot of rejections. I wasn't higher off me was because of language, because mm -hmm. most of the jobs I was interested in would have been in Dutch. And sometimes I got the feedback, yeah, your Dutch is really good, but we are a little bit concerned if you would be able to perform from day one. And so I was in this cycle of getting rejections and really like it shattered my self-confidence. And I know that a lot of internationals go through that. And then I became a mom and a stay-at-home mom. And that really meant that I kind of lost my sense of purpose and meaning in life. And I didn't know like what's like I, this question really came up for me. Like, is that all there is in life for me? Like, why did I invest so much time in long studies? Why, why did I build all these skills if now I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom? And, and, and also these questions of what would make me really happy? Like, which kind of job do I want? Because I also was very aware at that time that if I want a job, it has to do has to be something that gives me energy and that lights me up because when i come home from from my work and then have to care for a little human um that i love i cannot be exhausted and grumpy and angry i need i need to come home and feel fulfilled and happy and um yeah and that's like when my son was a bit more than two years old, that's when we decided that I'm going to take a coaching training because that has been kind of the big dream that I have been holding off on um, for some while. And I knew that whichever job I wanted, coaching would come in very handy because it has to do with people, it has to do with growth, development, which I always loved. And um, yeah, so that was kind of the first step back into more meaning and purpose for me it basically discovering yourself because at Discover, one point yeah. at one point you were rejected so many times you know looking for a job and then you became a mother and then now you know becoming a mother i think i've had it and i don't know if all mothers i can't speak for all mothers but we questions like do i really want to do this um mm. every day it's fun but is it, is it really adding value to like you said am i going to come home happy am i going to come home stressed mm. am i going to be fulfilled and then putting an international parent living abroad on top of that um you know with the language the culture that's also a big factor. Uh, we have to adapt uh, Definitely, in yeah. so many different ways. Um, and yeah. so that's great. I, that I do think that a lot of the life changes we go through when we move to a different country are not necessarily the ones that make the biggest problem, but I think just the, the compound of all of them together and then also being in a different culture, maybe having less support. I mean, in the Netherlands, we were living in a third country, so it was neither my husband's nor mine. So we didn't have a lot of support when we became parents. It was up to us, or we had to find a babysitter and pay for someone to take care of our son. But um, yeah, I think living abroad is sometimes a little bit like a mirror that shows you some things and some aspects about yourself and about your life that otherwise you might not even have noticed because if you stay in the same culture everyone does the same like what you did is normal 
and what you've always done. And that's how it's done in that culture. But then when you go somewhere else and you do it that way, all of a sudden it's not normal. Yeah. All of a sudden you stick out. And that's where this mirror metaphor also comes in because then you realize, oh, there are other ways to do this. Yeah, um, like you said, like in one culture it could be okay and then the other culture is like, what? Why do you do it that way? Yeah. It's like, then you're like, okay, well, but that's how I was taught. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to really, really change, like almost change who you are in a way, in the way you parent, in the way um, you bring up your kids. You're trying to keep and balance what you have, but also mm. being the culture that you're in. So how yeah. do you, how do you, to my next question, how do you balance, you know, um, your background and well, it's lucky for your husband, he's Dane, so he doesn't really have to have that. It's already around your son, and then you're soon to be. Mm. Um, but how do you keep that alive in your uh, son right now that, you know, you are you are Austrian, you are, you know, you come from this other country because you half me. <laughs> how do you keep yeah. that balance? Yeah, I think one big factor here is language. So I really try to stick to German exclusively and then read books in German, books that also talk about the country and about the culture and like keeping in touch with my family through 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 like Zoom or, or FaceTime or something. And then, well, traveling frequently to Austria, which has not been possible for a long while now. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is important to kind of like immerse in the other culture also. And when traveling is not possible, then maybe, maybe reading books that kind of talk about like, what does the country look like? What's the culture like? What can you find there? And um, yeah, and what's really important to me, and you had also just said it like this, you try to balance this, who are you and who are you in the new culture? And I think it's really, really important to then create your own culture, like as a family and based on the values that are important to you as a family and not necessarily I mean, you will then, of course, take values and things from both cultures, but then mix it and create your unique family culture. And I think one thing that's really, really important to be aware around is which parts do you need to stick to in order to feel like yourself, in order to feel authentic, in order to feel happy, and which parts can you adapt? Because if you adapt everything, you really lose yourself. Yeah, I totally agree and with that. That keep what's important to you, but also adapt to what what you're living in right now. Yeah. Um, and I, for me, I always have a hard time uh, when it's holiday period. And I try, for me, mm. I try to adapt Thanksgiving here in Denmark to my family, and it's just not the same. <laughs> No. it's just not the same and i want to i want to keep it and i try hard but it's just it's not that the feeling is not the same like i, I cook things yeah. and dinner and everything but it's not the same like it, i i would do at home so no. i think that one i'm gonna let go a little bit and then just go home and celebrate it where the feeling's different so i yeah. understand when you said 
just keep what is important to you and then adapt to other ways. And I think as an international parent, we have to do that or we're just going to drive ourselves crazy of like we have to do it all. The holidays here in Denmark, the holidays in the U.S. or uh, Austria or try to keep everything together. It's just like. Yeah. So we want to keep stress free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not only as parents, but also as people, like just as a person. Also, you need to know what's really important for you and what like which characteristics, which values do you need to preserve in order to still feel like yourself? Because if you let go of everything and then immerse yourself completely in the new culture, you might wake up one day and then say, oh, I'm not I'm not myself anymore. I'm who who have I become? Yeah. And and that's I think it's not a very pleasant feeling when you when you have that and then it's also getting more difficult probably to keep that contact with your family because they don't recognize you anymore and and you don't feel you belong in your home country anymore. Yeah, I definitely feel like a tourist when I go in my home country and I think <laughs> I get more culture shocks when I go back to the US because I have to uh, kind of remember how it was and then mm. I remember when I landed in the airport and I ordered something and the waitress kept talking to me I was like could you just leave me alone <laughs> so because like yeah. here in Denmark the, you know you order and that's all there's no small yeah. talk how's your day what are you doing in in the airport nothing like that but no. then when you get in the U.S., it's just a lot of chatter. I'm just like, I forget that's like how it is. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, you, people talk here. You talk to complete strangers. You know, they actually, yeah. who knows if they care about it, but they, they want to know what your day is. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. It's part of the customer service also, especially if you experience it when you order something. It's uh, considered, I think, yeah, just having giving a nice experience to people. Yeah, and when you don't have that for a while, it's just you forget about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's jump into your happy abroad, um, and I want to uh, talk about it um, a little bit, and I yeah. want you to kind of explain to the listeners what it's about uh, right now, and um, yeah. yeah, what what it's about, and yeah. Yeah, well, I, I started it because, I mean, because of my own story, but also because I talked to so many internationals and there are some very common themes that everyone struggles with. It's like identity issues, like who are you in that new environment? What are you able to do? How, how are you able to contribute with your unique skill set in this new environment? And and yeah, how, how do you not feel so lost and alone, but but create that feeling of belonging and feel really at home in your new place. I mean, it will never replace probably where you grew up, but, but still, how can you make this your, your new home? Um, yeah, and then very often also what people are looking for is community, like someone who gets them, because that's the thing when you move to a different country sometimes, and especially I think when moving for love, um, you're thrown into this situation where you are in contact with a lot of locals, maybe also internationals, but you are in contact with a lot of people who might not really get where you're coming from, who might not really know how you feel. And also often our usual support system are the people back home, our family and friends. And 
the experience you're having when you're moving abroad, it's hard to share with them because they cannot relate to it. I mean, they might be able to listen, but then sometimes I think it also then results in good advice and what you could do, but it's not, it's just not something that you can do at that moment for whichever reason. So I think that's what, that was also one thing that was important for me to create with the Be Happy Abroad brand, um, to, to create that community where people can turn to and find comfort and feel seen, heard and understood by others who go through a similar experience. Um, because of course, every international's experience is unique but I think there are a lot of common factors and that's what connects us also in a way. Um, so that's what I've created, especially with my two offers, the, the Happy Abroad Summit, which I'm hosting once a year, which is an online conference where a lot of experts, <coughs> global experts cover six different themes that often are challenging for people who live abroad. And then the Happy Abroad Club, which is a membership platform where people can sign up and then they get monthly new knowledge and, and self-coaching tools where they can create that awareness, what I talked about before, like the values about their strengths, how they can contribute in this new environment and um, how they can grow with their experience instead of getting lost and, and connect with each other. That's the... That's the key point, basically. So you uh, you built a community around around this, and the community is sort of helping each other. And is yeah. it just in Denmark, or is it global that uh, the happily abroad uh, community? No, it's uh, it's global. It's global. Okay. So it's it all happens online, and it already did before COVID hit. But yeah, um, um, yeah it's a global community. So. You might meet people who you connect with who are in a completely different place, but you might also meet your neighbor next door and, and, and connect with them through, 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 by, by, by coincidence mm -hmm. in that community. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. How did you come up with this um, idea? Yeah, a lot of this was really uncovering my own story, working with myself and creating that awareness of what was difficult with my experience abroad. Because in the beginning, when I started out, I mentioned that I had taken the coaching training and that was because I really had this desire to be a coach, to help people find their own way. So I don't know if everyone knows exactly what coaching is, but it's basically asking questions and then guiding someone, but without giving advice, but really let them uncover what they're going through, let them uncover what their values are, what their strengths are. And I really was drawn to this methodology from hearing about it the first time. So I really wanted to be a coach and then I kind of navigated, okay, so what's, what's, my, what's the client I'm best suited to serve? What's the client that I can help most? And in the beginning, <clears throat> it was for me more in the life purpose career area because I thought that was my biggest struggle. But the more I then worked on my own awareness and on, on really uncovering my own story, I realized that it was so much bigger than just career because 
well, we are all whole people and uh, we have different areas of life. And, and if we struggle in one area, typically there are also some challenges in other areas. And that's how I then identified that actually with my experience, with my background, um, the most logical thing or the best thing I can do is actually to, to serve an international community and to make a difference for, for people who go through similar experiences like myself back then. Yeah, and you're also experiencing it and living it right now. That's yeah. who you are yeah. as an exactly. international uh, parent or even an international um, living abroad. So why not find, if someone needs help or needs coaching around this, that's living abroad, you would be the perfect person because you're experiencing it and um, know what... Uh, everyone yeah, exactly. that person's going through. What do you yeah. notice about you know expats or immigrants or people moving abroad have in common when they move abroad? In the moment where they decide to move abroad, you mean, or in general? In general, like uh, what's general, most yeah. common that uh, you're noticing with either your your clients that you coach or mm. people that uh, join the summit. Uh, what do they have most in common when they move mm. abroad? I think that most people who move abroad or most people who find themselves in an intercultural relationship, they have some aspects of, of uh, curiosity and openness and, and um, hunger for adventure within themselves. Because I think just to, to make that step, to lean into an intercultural relationship with someone from a different culture, to do that in a foreign language, and then maybe to even make that step and move abroad, it does require some, some kind of openness and curiosity. Otherwise, we wouldn't even make that step. But I think a lot of this curiosity and hunger for adventure is lost along the way because things turn out more challenging than we thought they would be. And then frustration kicks in and overwhelm and sometimes also resentment. Resentment is something I very often notice, especially with love pets. Mm. So people who have moved to another country for love, it's it often becomes this like, oh, but I've given so up, so I've given up so much for you. What are you doing? How are you helping me? It's your role and your task to support me. And you're not doing that in the right way. So, and then, and then it becomes this negative blame cycle where it's really hard to get out without help. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the, that's, it's one of the most common patterns I notice. And, and that's also what I want to bring back, like this curiosity, the hunger for adventure and the openness, because I think people who are, like that, they they contribute more to the world mm -hmm. and they make the world a better place ultimately. And also happy people and authentic people and people who really know who they are, what they want, and like who are rooted in in themselves, who find who find something within themselves that, that really satisfies them, independent of where they live in the world. Yeah, I totally agree with you with uh, with everything, but especially with the 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 love pat, I've heard through friends mm. that they the spouse that moved usually 
if they're in an argument or something, they're just like, yeah, well, I did this and this and this. And you kind of mm. lose yourself in that when uh, the person gave up so much to move to a new country. And yeah. and it's great that you try to reintroduce why you moved there. And it's the hunger for yeah. adventure, new things, excitement. Yeah. And that's really great that you're helping uh, a lot of internationals go through that. What do you yeah. think is the most difficult thing for an international uh, to become an expat or move uh, abroad uh, once they're in it? Yeah. I think it's this first step of taking responsibility of your own experience because this this being stuck in this blame and resentment cycle mm -hmm. it's also it's a victimized perspective so you see yourself somehow as a victim and I know that this thought can be really confrontational if you hear this. Like, if you are in that spot, it's like, what? I'm not a victim. I, I, and I had that myself too. Like, like I'm not a victim. Like, I'm, but, but, but this is just like, it's this and this and this fault. Like, it's, it's always someone else's fault and the circumstances and so on. And it's so easy to blame someone else or the circumstance. But exactly this pattern of blaming outward factors that's what makes a victim so you kind of see yourself as as powerless as 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 the victim of the situation and yes circumstances might be hard and yes settling in a new country is hard but i think it's really important to to have that mindset shift I can change my experience i can make my experience better and then take an empowered perspective instead of this victimized perspective. I think that's the hardest part because once you've made that shift, you're also more open to learning, to exploring yourself, to getting to know yourself really well, to, yeah, to take responsibility for your own life and for the experience you're having. Yeah, because I feel like with me, I get so lost in that like oh i came here i did this i did that and it's just, it just takes over a little bit until someone points it out like you said you pointed it out like that's it, mm. it is true it's 100 percent true you did move for that mm. you did move for love but it, the feeling that we're giving away is, is so different yeah. Um, and what, I mean, I mean, making that decision doesn't mean that then you are on top of it mm -hmm. all the time. No, <laughs> of no. <course> not. <laughs> it's always, it's always, I mean, it's life, it's happening. It's just, it's work in progress. And, and then we fall, we sometimes fall back in this pattern where we are like in this negative mood and maybe blame our partner for this and that or or the country or the people in this country or or whatever but it's I think once you've had that awareness and once you've worked with it you also know how to get yourself back to a more positive and a more powerful mm -hmm. state more easily yeah and it and that I think experiencing this control like that you are in control that you have some power just just that already makes you happier because you don't feel so much thrown into sit into the situation but you also know how you can make it better and how you can get out of unhelpful mental and emotional states yeah 
Um, you since you coach a lot of internationals, can you walk me through or the listeners on the process on how you how you do it, how how you coach uh, internationals on um, you know settling down in a in a country, feeling good about it, and like you said, not feeling so lost in like the blame and then also when because when everything sets in like you become a different person when everything sets in the honeymoon period's over it's not as fun and exciting anymore because now you're in it (laughs) yeah well there are different aspects to it because i think the foundation uh, is to know yourself Mm -hmm. and for me that's made up of knowing your values and knowing where you want to go where you want to be where you want to life your move towards and establishing that life purpose and meaning and also knowing which strengths do you have in order to make that happen and the combination of strengths that you have how how does that make you unique so also this awareness of oh this is how i am unique and then embrace that uniqueness and make the best of it that's one part and then a lot of it is also really the mindset shift like to train that capacity to see things from from a different perspective. And there are different different, uh, tools and exercises I use in in coaching to train that with my clients so that they can switch their state, like their emotional and mental state so that they can take another perspective that's not necessarily another person's perspective, but just a more empowered perspective than the one they have right now. And one really big area that I work on with clients is uh, boundaries. Mm -hmm. So setting your own boundaries and knowing what you want and what you don't want and knowing when to say no which can be so difficult for, for many of us. And especially if we come to a new country because, because we feel like we have to say yes all the time in yeah. order to be liked and in order to integrate. And we feel like we have to accept a lot of what's happening, but it's not true. We don't have to. If it really doesn't sit with you, if that's something you can't find yourself in, it's really important also to have the self-confidence and the awareness, this is something I need to say no to. Otherwise, I lose myself and I become really unhappy. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, I'm a yes person. <laughs> and I have to realize <laughs> yeah. I also have to say no um, because it's just I can't handle so much. But no, I, exactly. I, I want to say yes, but um, I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. If there's yeah, a, and oh, I think here, ahead. for example, what helps in that case is, for example, the awareness. Every time you say yes to something, you say automatically no to something yeah. else. So what are you saying no to? Yeah. And it might be time with your kids. It might be time for yourself. It might be, um, yeah, something like... You're like, compromising something else. Yeah, you're compromising something else, yeah. yeah. Um, if there's a listener out there that's just thinking of moving abroad, what would your advice be for them uh, in the mindset um, kind of way? Because when I thought of moving abroad, I never thought of, like, the hardship. I thought about, like mm. you said, the exciting, the adventure, how amazing it would be, and also tell my friends, I live in so-and-so. I live in Denmark. That's so cool. But you don't, mm. you don't, you forget about, you don't think about the hardship of it. So yeah. what would your advice be for uh, someone thinking of moving abroad or are in the process of moving abroad because there's always families 
not just families, but people uh, relocating or getting a new job job opportunity in a new country? Yeah. I think one, one part is preparation, like to know what is expecting you in this new country. Maybe also already connecting with some people. And I mean, the opportunities nowadays to connect with people are so many. You can use Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. There are a lot of opportunities to connect with local people. And then if you connect to someone do it interest-based. So really look for people who are interested in the same things like you. Um, that was actually one of the one of the summit contributions this year. One of the um, speakers, she's an she's a network researcher, and she said that well, if you are interested in art, for example, reach out to museums, look for art clubs, look for people who are engaged in that area that you love because then you get into something that you're passionate about and, and, and you can connect with people who are interested in the same thing like you. And of course, all of that kind of requires that you already do have some kind of self-awareness of what you really want, what's really important to you. So in that context, I would really recommend get to know yourself a little bit better before moving abroad. Use some time on it. There are plenty of books. There are some coaches. There are like there, there. There is a lot of support to get to 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 find out who you are and what you really want, what your values are, also. Because if you're already a little bit more aware of that to begin with, it might be easier for you to settle. And especially if you're moving somewhere, for example, where you don't have a job yet, I think that's so important also to know, like. What are you actually looking for? Which job are you looking for? And already get a little bit informed um, about how you could find it. Yeah. And maybe also learn the language a little bit already, like start learning the language or even invest in a high intensity course that gives you that initial boost. I mean, there are apps to learn languages, but the most efficient way to learn a language is is tutoring one-on-one -on -one tutoring or something it's expensive or it's like i mean it's an it's an investment but it's an investment in your happiness yeah and because I, it will make it easier i i really agree with the language part um i learned a little bit of danish not so much danish before i came to denmark <laughs> but just the basic hi thank you i will like yeah. to have this But realizing I was saying the words wrong because I was thinking in English when I was reading and trying to learn it. So it was just like mm. there. It was like out the window. I was like, I spent like three months on learning wrong Danish. <laughs> so definitely hire yeah. someone that knows proper the, the language you're going to learn. <laughs> not by yourself. Yeah. And I know that a lot of these online platforms who offer free resources online, mm -hmm. they do also offer paid tutoring. So that would be a low cost version of actually having a tutor who you can speak with, who can, who can maybe teach you some pronunciation and, and um, yeah, a more authentic approach to the language than an app can. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because the mm. app can only do so much. And I've tried learning in the app and there's some good ones out there, but it's, Just the basic, hi, how are you? But it's a good start, too. Yeah. So if you want to get a little bit of ahead. 
Um, it's definitely a good start. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, have you met any uh, internationals that just absolutely hated the fact that they moved abroad? They were exciting at fir- excited at first, but realized that wasn't them. Like that, uh, they like home way better. Um, have you ever met that and uh, them, or and do you have advice for anyone that's I, actually in it? Uh, yeah, I saw that sometimes. I saw I see that sometimes in Facebook groups. Not 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 really. Directly, because I think those, I think those people like professionally, th- those wouldn't be the people who reach out to me because mm-hmm. who reach out, who reach, who reaches out to me are people who want to make it work and mm-hmm. who really want to find their way. So there is still some hope within them that they can make it work better. So if someone really hates it and wants to stop it, but I've seen it sometimes in Facebook groups, people who say they cannot live with that, but. I do also think sometimes it might just be that specific country that's not for you. Maybe it's not the living abroad in general, but maybe it's just that specific country. If there are two big culture clashes, this might happen, of course. Yeah. Or if there are some other factors that just are so against your own values and yeah, I mean, I, I would say there are definitely countries in this world where I couldn't live, like countries where, for example, freedom of speech is limited, where maybe women are suppressed or something. I, I couldn't live in in countries like that, I think. So if you move to one of these countries, it might be even harder to accept, yeah. um, accept um, the experience you're having. Which... In in Denmark, uh, generally, um, we are you know Denmark is usually like oh it's the happiest uh, place uh, to live. It's the, rated number one as the happy country, but then you he- read other things. They're like no, but in actuality, internationals are the most unhappy in in Denmark, and it's like so opposite. Yeah. Um, what would you say with that? Why is Denmark, you know, um, internationals not happy, but it's still rated like the most happiest place in the world? <laughs> One or two competing. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting because the experience internationals are having in Denmark really varies so much and probably it does everywhere because it's also so much dependent on personalities but I know a lot of internationals who are having a great time here in Denmark and who love the country but yes there are also a lot who are struggling and who 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 struggle with certain aspects of the Danish culture and I think that Denmark historically is a quite a very homogeneous culture and quite closed like they haven't been one of these i think for example because we also talked about that i've lived in the netherlands i think that is maybe one of the biggest differences between the netherlands and denmark the netherlands had all these colonies so netherlands as a population is much more diverse than denmark you see many more different skin colors and there is more diversity. Also food-wise, that's one thing that I really enjoyed about the Netherlands, that that they have food from all the different colonies. And you don't have it that much in Denmark because Denmark historically hasn't been a country who had colonies or who accepted a lot of foreigners into the country. This is something that is happening more recently 
Um, so people are not really that used to handling foreigners or how to approach them. I think that's one of the things that makes it make it difficult. And another aspect that makes makes it difficult is maybe also what we talked about before, the Danish pride. Yeah. Because somehow between the lines, it always says Denmark is better than other cultures. I think it happens very often and it's no one, no one really says that, but somehow that's often what I, what I personally hear. And I've heard from other internationals that, that it's the same for them. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. And for me, I, I love living here. I love raising my kids here. Mm. And I think it's, it's such a great um, country to have kids and family. And mm. the benefits are just really great compared to, compared to the U.S. Of course, I'm just comparing. Mm. But I have no complaints of living here. Yes, I do weather, of course. But other <laughs> weather, than, definitely. Yeah, the winter. <laughs> other than the that, everything is yeah. really uh, amazing here. So I have yeah. no complaints. And I would love to keep talking more and more, but we're running out of time. Yeah. And I want you to yeah. be able to tell the listeners uh, where to find you. I'll have everything on the on the website, of course, all the links. But uh, just in case, uh, just let the listeners know where they can follow you or either on Instagram or go on your website or and also si- where they can sign up for your Happily Abroad, uh, or Happy Abroad Summit. Um, online. Yeah, yeah. Well, my well, my name is Francisca Luxoy, which is quite a unique name. No one has that combination because Luxoy is a very rare now name in uh, in Denmark and in the combination with an Austrian name. So if you Google that, you will definitely find me. Or if you look up, look it up on LinkedIn. If you want to connect on LinkedIn, I'd love that. And my website is behappyabroad.com. So it's just in one word, without any punctuation, behappyabroad.com. And I can be found also with this in this with the same name on Instagram on and on Facebook, a Facebook page. Um, yeah, and the, the Happy Abroad Summit happens once a year. Um, it's for free while it's happening. And then afterwards, all the interviews are available in my Happy Abroad Club. Um, and you find information about both of these offers on my website, behappyabroad.com. Awesome. And thank you so much for joining the podcast and sharing yourself, you know, your journey here to Denmark, to the listeners. And I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank and you for having me. Especially that you're pregnant. Um, so <laughs> next time we talk again, yeah. you'll have a, a little baby. Um, yes. <laughs> and for the listeners, uh, I will have all of uh, Francesca's information on my website. So you don't need to rush to a paper or anything. I'll have her social media, her website, uh, all the links available. So you guys can check her out or even follow her and connect with her through LinkedIn. So, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, everyone. Bye.